1.37 p.m., Cannabis State of the Union, Episode 3, Juicy J and Dr. Dina in conversation. We will be discussing the transition of cannabis from a community into an industry, featuring Grammy-nominated and Academy Award-winning musical icon Juicy J in conversation together with one of the most influential thought leaders in cannabis, Dr. Dina. We'll be discussing the past, present, and future of cannabis with a focus on the next decade. I grew up listening to Juicy J's Grammy-nominated and Academy Award-winning group 3-6 Mafia. His solo track, Dark Horse with Katy Perry, has 3 billion views, and he's currently producing number one hit songs for Nicki Minaj, ASAP Rocky, Megan Thee Stallion, and more. I first met Dr. Dina while she was running Oz WeHo, the oldest continual operating dispensary in the United States, located in the heart of Los Angeles. Oz WeHo and Dr. Dina have been in the cannabis liaison to the stars for the last two decades. Dr. Dina is not a board certified MD, nor did she go to medical school. Rather, Dr. Dina received her nickname from Snoop Dogg for being one of the pioneers of the legal cannabis movement. From Snoop on down, Dina has coached and enabled countless Hollywood elites to not just use cannabis, but help them to understand the intricacies of the laws, the benefits, and more. Her story inspired the hit TV show Weeds, and her contributions beyond that make her one of the most influential people in cannabis. So this is 137 Cannabis State of the Union. This is episode three, and our guests you know, are Dr. Dina, Juicy J. So welcome, Dina and Juicy. Thank you. What's good? Everything is good, man. Everything is good. Welcome, welcome. So, so growing up, guys, weed was always around my household as a kid. Dina, what were your earliest memories of weed growing up? You know, it's funny. I don't remember cannabis being around uh, when I was a child at all. Um, but I always knew the smell of it when I finally, you know, had friends that were smoking it. I went, wait a second, that's the smell from my house when I was a kid. So I know my dad was smoking out of a pipe. I just maybe thought it was a tobacco pipe. Got it. Got it. Which we just didn't talk about it. Understood. Understood. Juicy, what about you? What was it like growing up around weed? Do you, do you remember? What's your earliest memories of it? Uh, my earliest memories, I remember getting real, real high with a friend of mine, and I almost feel like I was about to pass out. Um, Weed has always been around, you know, growing up in North Memphis in the hood. People sold weed. People gave weed away. People did what they did. But, you know, it's always been that, that party drug that everybody uh, would would sooner or later find a way to wait, you know, way to wait. Um, I would say uh, 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 hanging out together uh, at parties and just having a great time smoking weed, you know. Yeah, got it. Got it. And what about uh, like what about growing up before that? Like as a, like in, in high, you know grade school and anything like that. Was it around ever then? Yeah, yeah, same. No? Like, always around, yeah. Yeah, always around. I always just, you know, I was always around it or seeing it or somebody smoking or somebody yeah. wanted to sell it. Or I, maybe I was <laughs> yeah. trying to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. I think we're all yeah. trying to sell it here, so it's good. That's why we're on, on the call today. So, yeah. so, Dina, then, before the dispensaries, right, you opened the first medical cannabis physician's offices in Southern California. What yeah, was that... Yeah. That advertised, that openly advertised. There were doctors that maybe I didn't know about, but we were like, cannabis recommendations, come on in. So tell us about that. Like, what was it like back then? You know, it was such a scary time because no one knew the rules. All we knew was that this piece of paper could potentially prevent you from going to jail. And, you know, going back to my original experience with cannabis, it was Snoop Dogg that forced me to smoke a joint when I was 15 years old. 
Uh, I was with Suge, with Snoop. We were at their criminal attorney's house, which happens to be my friend's father. And uh, he forced me to smoke this blunt. I thought I was going to... I envisioned the old commercial, the eggs in the pan, uh, frying the eggs, and my brain was going to be fried. I wasn't going to go to college. And then years later, I was at college, and I would buy weed from Snoop Dogg, ironically, because he would hang out at the school lot selling to everyone. Um, but it wasn't until I, I had a sick friend that really needed cannabis, and his wife was from Sweden. And in Sweden, the drug laws are very, very strict. So she was convinced that if he used cannabis to help his cancer, that she would get deported. And so this was really to kind of prove her wrong, was I found this doctor and I convinced him to come work for me. At that time, you know, it was like, oh, let's get Snoop legal so that he won't go to jail. You know, I didn't really see the big picture of it um, until all of a sudden sick people were coming in all day long, really, truly, you know, this might be their last week to live. And all of a sudden I was watching them progressively get better in the neighborhood. I would see these people, you know, one minute they're in a wheelchair, next minute they're walking. And the one question everyone would ask me is where do we get our cannabis? Where do we buy it? And I wasn't going to send them to like the corner at a park, you know, or I didn't, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that there was a really safe place for people to have access to it. That's why I opened up my dispensary, which was only like five months after I opened my doctor's office. Yep. Yeah, I want to talk about about the dispensary in a moment. So, and and, and Snoop gave you your name, Doctor Dean. Are you not a licensed physician? I am board certified listening? by Snoop Dogg, Rama. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Amazing. So I, I didn't know it went back that far with him. So then, Juicy, growing up in the South, weed's a super serious offense. Did you ever think cannabis or weed would be legal the way it is now? Never in a million, billion, quadrillion years. I'm saying, no, man. I mean, like, I've seen so many people go to jail for small bags of weed. Five, $5 bags of weed, $10 bags of weed. We locked up almost forever. So never in my life, you know, this is crazy, man. This is, it's a blessing, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We got to get Did you ever get in trouble for weed back then? I tried to sell some in uh, junior high school when I, um, they they almost took me to uh, some kind of, it wasn't jail. That was going to take me to some kind of boys club or whatever. But my mom talked them out of it. And, you know, I just got, I, I got a little pat on the back. And I was like, don't do it again, blah, blah, blah. And then, I, you know, I'm cool. I was cool. God. And I know that you're very new into the cannabis industry compared to Dina. But you do have weed, like, with your name on it at dispensaries in California. Is that, like, trip you out like that? Or, you know, yeah. what's the thought there? Man, man, it's just like it's something I always wanted to do, you know. When I started flying flying to California, I started trying different kinds of weed. And then I found out about uh, you can get a license. And I was like, man, I always want to sell weed. I was trying to call around, trying to get a dispensary, but I heard you got to get a license and all this. So I always <laughs> wanted to have something to do with it. So now, you know, I'm I'm in the business. We got a company. We're doing our thing. Finally in it. And, man, it's, just, it's like it's like I, it's amazing to me. I be calling everybody. Hey man, I got my own weed. I got this. I got that. Come on, try it. And they love it. They love the weed. They love the wildflowers. Like it's it's going crazy, man. We're gonna make a trillion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so so Dita, before we we make the the trillion, you know, you were you were mentioning the dispensary, right? So that that's Oswego, right? And that's the oldest continually operating dispensary in the United States of America. Yes. Yeah. So tell us about uh, that. Like, who were the customers when you opened? How did that work? Tell us about that. Uh, well, interestingly enough, right before we had opened, 
about two years before, there were a group of uh, patients that went to the city of West Hollywood and they told them their plan was to open up a collective, you know, a cooperative. And the city, they went for it. They actually bought a building and gave it to them. And the DEA came in and it's the first case that of asset forfeiture against a city. So this, the DEA stole the, business, the building. And so West Hollywood had a bad taste in their mouth with the DEA. And so when I went to them and Jason at the same time, we had asked permission to open and their response was, you can do it, but we're not buying you a building. And so I was laughing. I'm like, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Okay, don't buy me a building, I'll, I'll find a place. And I, I was renting this great spot. Um, and then soon the word got out. We got really big, really fast. And that's when the federal government started raiding us. And it, be, it became like this every couple years, we're going to get raided. So like, get, don't get too comfortable. And it would happen every couple years up until legalization hit. And then, and what made you want to invest into something back then, knowing that it could just be taken away like that? Um, you know, it's funny, Rama. Why? Because I was at a point in my life where I was sick of people telling me what I could or could not do. And I believed in this plant. I believed that this could be a business and no one believed in me. I mean, I started with $300. You would not even believe. Like I literally used my mouth to cash checks, you know, to write checks that my ass couldn't cash in the beginning just to get the doors open. And somehow I survived and it was because I believed in it. I never would have thought I'd be here 19 years later or 20 years later, like no way. I mean, I was a kid and I just, I thought that if I do everything right, the, the, they won't take me and put me in jail. I was delusional really, because anyone could go to jail for this. But I was like, oh, I'm a good girl. I'm totally helping everybody. And I, I want to help sick people. And I, I'm, you know, for everything, I, one item I sell, I give another item away. Maybe I'm not the best at business because I want to give back. But my thought was always that I was going to build an army of people that supported me so that when it was time to go to the city, I would have crowds around begging for me to stay open because that was really important. I wanted the community to want us there. And I think that's something that gets is forgotten a little bit um, now with the licensing because you have to pay the state all that money to stay open. You know, no longer feel that like, thank you to the city. You want to support every little uh, uh, organization they have or charity or, you know, whether they're donating uh, uh, gifts for kids for Christmas, you know, sure, we, we donate. But in the past, we would have bought every kid a gift just to make a point. Yeah, for sure. Instead of a local business, it's now like a, a feels more like a regional or a state wide business because you're paying, you know, these people. So, so then, so, so Juicy, what were the first memories of you going to some of these legal dispensaries in California? You know, did you get a medical card ever or anything? Yeah, uh, um, I got a card and yeah, it was, it was great, man. I was, I couldn't believe it. I was telling everybody that weed was legal in California, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, you know, he had to have a card as well, but man, like, it's just like this, the, the word, the word, the, just the idea you can walk in and just buy weed, you know, that's very, you know, that, that wasn't, that's, it's incredible, you know what I'm saying? I was like, I can't believe this. Like, this is every store in each corner. And now it's everywhere now, you know. Now it's, you know, all the doors are opened up, so it's just, it's everywhere. Go to the gas station and get weed. 
you know. <laughs> and, and and it's it's not even close to many states yet, right? Like if you come out here from New York, you're still blown away by what's happening in California with the True. way the dispensaries are set up and stuff, you know. True, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. So 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 okay, so they say like the first through the wall always gets bloody. Right. So Dina, like over the last 15, 20 years, right? Like what's been like the hardest thing over the last decade to deal with for cannabis? Um, you know, banking has been a pretty difficult mm. situation. Uh overall, it's very, very difficult. I would say that's yeah. the, one of the biggest issues. The banking, what to do with the money. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I mean, then, are you familiar so, with Lynx card? I'm not actually, no. They're, uh, they came up with some system where you would, a, a customer would come in, they would want to use their credit card. We would say, oh, we don't accept credit cards, but you can buy a Link card for free and you can load that card up with points, with dollars, and the dollars equal points, and you can spend those points in our store. And so we would deduct, it was this whole confusing loophole where people were loading up these cards and we were taking out the points and links cards somehow didn't, their money was frozen or whatever it was. No. Um, this was actually, there's a huge lawsuit going on between several companies. I think they owe one of the collect, one of the dispensaries in, in Las Vegas, like $1.2 million. And so they owe people hundreds of thousands of dollars just because all your sales for two months before you figured it out. It was horrible. Wow. Yeah. And the banking still isn't even close to, to, to working yet. I know that your partner, Jason is, is trying to lead that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there are banks that will take you private banks, but they want to charge you uh, like a crazy fee on each account and each, each license has to have its own account and they monitor it to make sure you're not, like setting off something against the law that's gonna, you know. So you're paying like it could, you could pay five thousand dollars a month for a bank account, a month. That's crazy. So everybody wants to hustle. Yeah. You know, the point of sale companies. You're if you're a shoe store, you go and buy a QuickBooks point of sale. You set up all your inventory, and you're done. Maybe every three to five years, you pay a license fee, a hundred dollars or something, right? $300. Sure, sure. No, not in the cannabis industry. It's like you have to pay per register per month, and it could be $1,000 per register. It's really expensive. Everyone's trying to make their ancillary, you know, their money off off retail, especially. Yeah, yeah. It's really, there's so many people taking taxes and cuts along the way. There's not really that much money left over. You know, absolutely. So, so, you know, speaking of, of that, you know, so Juicy, you know, you together with Gary V, you know, who's this, this is his platform and, and artist Cody Hudson and us with Green Street, our partners in the Asterisk brand, you know, what, what are you most excited about now, like being in the weed industry? Man, just, uh, just expanding, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Expanding, just, just more, just more going to different states with it, uh, more brands of weed, clothing line, all that, you know, just turn this into like this. Like when you be watching the Super Bowl and you see a weed commercial, we can never get it like that, you know. Just expanding, seeing it getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and just, and just being, a, being a household thing. Like you know, it's like you walking up to to a um, a, um uh, like a McDonald's and you order you order experience. You know what I'm saying? Like everywhere, everywhere though, not just California, not just Nevada and wherever they get it legal. Everywhere, 
across the board. You know what I'm saying? Tennessee. I, I know Arkansas got a uh, – they finna start having dispensaries now. So, like, that's just where I see it, just getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Yeah, it, it will go it, it will go international, you know. Yeah. that That's even kind of the idea of having someone like you as a partner in it is because your audience isn't just local. You know, it is – you do have this international reach, I think, you. you know. Thank you. And and even over overseas, man, let's – Hey man, I've been you know I know everybody that been to Amsterdam, man. We we gonna we gonna have some our, our strains over there in Amsterdam. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Flower, they need that. <laughs> Take it everywhere, man. Alaska, wherever we can, whoever's smoking weed, we coming. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Alaska has dispensaries right now. I'm sure if uh, you're willing to go up there, they would uh, they'd let you have some product on the shelves up there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's fighting for the space in Alaska, but, uh, but that's amazing. So, <laughs> so, speaking, so, so speaking of that, Dina, like there's like, what would you say to like the companies and brands that are coming up right now? Like what, what can they learn from the last 10 years? You know, the new brands, like what can Juicy learn, you know, from, from, oh, from just, the last 10 years? Don't expect like a magic to happen overnight. It takes time to build it. You have to like spend a lot of time, love and dedication, and you have to listen to your customers. Uh, you know, nothing's perfect until you figure out all the kinks, but nothing happens overnight in this industry. It takes a really long time. Um, but I, I also think that it's partnering with the right, uh, whether it's influencers, uh, really help get the word out. I noticed that that does make a difference in sales over time. So uh, definitely, you know, make sure you have those in-store meet and greets, whatever you can do that makes your brand uh, stand out more than anyone else's. Uh, people want that personal touch. And as far as like a celebrity brand, I think it's so important. And, and Jay, you have no problem at all because you smoke. <laughs> and it's the ones that don't smoke people get a little weary about. They want to see their the person who has their company, who believes in it, you know, and uses it. And that's far and few these days. Yeah, it's this wild. is not my brand. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's wild that there's like, quote unquote, celebrity brands of people that don't actually smoke weed. You know, like, well, why would you ever care what they have to say? Kind of, it's really strange to me. But well, because and, and, and that that in a sense, Rama, you're right. It bothers like the people who have been in the game for a long time or who, who have been hurt by the, the culture or the police or been wronged by the law. Um, you know, and that's why it's so important to uh, give back. And, and a lot of these brands that are giving back to people who are incarcerated, spending time in federal prison or state prison for cannabis. They need that money. They need the money on the books. They need to be let out. Um, and those brands, I think, you know, anytime social justice I think, comes, gets involved with a brand, uh, people get excited. So, cause yeah, we, I wanna, we I wanna, push with uh, our dollars. Yeah. I want to talk about, about social impact, uh, as well uh, in a little bit on this. So yeah. And, and, you know, with, with juicy, like, you know, he's been promoting with the band solo, you know, with the group promoting weed for the last two decades, you know, he's been promoting it. You know, he's not been selling it himself, but the idea, even just singing it, put it in lyrics, the idea of like popularizing, normalizing it. If, There's if a very him. small group of people that can get away with that. And he's in that group. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, think of the people that have just helped normalize it. Like there's very few, couple rock bands, maybe, maybe a country band or two, but it's really been like the hip hop industry that's been promoting and normalizing weed smoke, weed smoking weed the past, you know, 20 years, it's how we know it. All of our terms come from it, oh, yeah. you know? So, um, you know, the chronic oh, yeah. by itself alone, you know, these kind of things. Right. So, um, yeah. So, 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 so then juicy, like, what do you want to see from the industry as it matures? Uh, man, I want to see more weed festivals, man. You know what I'm saying? I think we should do more weed festivals because I, you know, the, those things, man, like they, they sell out, people come and they like, you know, everybody comes and bring their brands and, you know, share ideas and share strains of good weed. And it's like Woodstock, man, Woodstock all over the world, but, you know, taking it everywhere, you know? So I, I think that's, uh, what I want to see. And just, you know, this thing's getting bigger, man. It's big things for weed, man. All in movies, all in all in music, which is which is definitely is. It's an everyday you, it's becoming an everyday life thing now. Did you see uh Seth Rogen launched his brand? Yeah. Or in America, is it? Yeah. I heard about it. Yeah. 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 So I think those things will, will help a little bit. You know, I know it's like celebrity again. Obviously, he's a big weed smoker. He put it in the movies like you're talking about, but uh I just think anything to help normalize this. And then at the same time, my question now is kind of the opposite. So, or, you know, maybe it's not, you know, I, I keep saying like, keep cannabis illegal. Right. And what I mean by that is I want a few more years of this. So like Gary and us can get our businesses going and growing them to the point where they can't just be crushed over by a big corporation, you know? So like Dina, as like federal legalization looms over the community, you know, I believe it will quickly turn into an industry. Like, are you excited about that? Or will legalization federal level destroy like the mom and pop businesses and the Oz Wehos of the world and things like that? It definitely will hurt. Uh, it's gonna push out all the little people. It's gonna be really, really sad. Yeah, our prices are gonna go up even more if we're not taxed enough as it is. Um, Right now, it's it's kind of okay that each state gets to decide and make their own rules, um, and you get a right to go move to the state that you like that has the best rules. I happen to think California doesn't have the best rules, but we are rewriting them, and we're working on making them better, um, and that's pretty much how it's going to go if, unless it's federal, and then it's going to get real ugly. As much as I hate to say that, it pains me because it's just going to change everything it's going to become an import export place. Yeah. That's, that's why I keep saying, keep cannabis illegal. You know, people think I'm joking and I'm not at all. It would be better for all of us here on it to, 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 you know, if we keep it a little couple more years. I don't know? want them to legalize it. I want them to deschedule it. There you go. Okay. Awesome. I don't even know the difference, but that's why you're like involved and I'm not, you know? Well, it's a schedule one drug. It's, it's scheduled with heroin. It just needs to be descheduled to like a schedule three, which is like, it can be nutraceutical at that point. It's just an herb and then it shouldn't even be regulated. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. It seemed like Biden um, let some of his cabinet go or let some of the people, employees go that were smoking weed apparently in DC this past week or so. Uh, I don't know if that happened. If I like that that happened, you know, please. Yeah, I know that Biden doesn't like weed, so I I'll, I'll take it, you know. He forgot to fire his vice president. <laughs> well, uh, I think she's put a lot of people in jail for weed too, right? And she's admitted to smoking, so I just don't... Yeah. So, so, 
Got it. Well, she has the good fucking shoe game, so I mean, she's getting away with a lot over there. Yeah. So, 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 Juicy, you've invested you've invested into so many incredible industries, right, Juicy? Like with gaming and beverage and music. Yeah. Do you look at the investments into cannabis the same way, or like as those mature industries, or is it a different approach here? I, I look at it in the same way. You know, it's growing. I look at it the same way. You know, you know everything uh, like we was talk- we were saying earlier. Nothing happens overnight. And, uh, you know, you just got to take those risks. But I think these are good risks. Um, and I, I thought about what you said when you said, um, you know, once once weed goes everywhere, everybody be able, be able to get it and the, and the corporate people will come in and then the mom and pops. Yeah, that 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 that's a crazy problem. And like, you know, the, the tax is definitely going to be out through the roof. It's going to be crazy. It's just, uh, you know, I think we just we just have to keep keep our minds uh, set on try to do, try to like do something different, like with entertainment or just whatever we can do to keep it special, you know? So, so our we will, uh, uh, stick out, you know, bigger than this brand or that brand, you know, it's all about branding these, you know, that's what it really is. So, you know, so I just think that's what we, that's the thing, like we got the weed. So now we just got to try to keep branding it. And, uh, you know, that's just the future of it right there. The brand. Yeah, I agree. Brands of the future, obviously, that's like what, what we've kind of built our business on this house of brands that Green Street is or whatever. But yeah, because yeah. I, I don't want to be a farmer or a, be an expert in distribution or manufacturing, you know, like I did a, a record label, and I didn't own the CD pressing plant and like the t shirt factory and the you know what I mean. And then I did fashion and that kind of stuff. So I didn't own like the the dye houses and those kind of things. I just put my label on something and it was worth a lot more than someone else's. You know, um, so I, I really kind of I believe that's going to happen. And, and then so I'm really then super bullish on basically building in California because I believe that brands are going to be the only thing that matters. But I think brands really only come out of California and New York for the most part. That's music, entertainment, fashion, art, whatever it is. New York and L.A. are those cities that if you're big in L.A. or New York, you're big globally. You know, yeah. so so Dina. Do you have any thoughts on what brands might become national, you know? Oh, well, I mean, you look at Select. Okay. I mean, they, they've been around for a long time as a cannabis company. They started doing CBD. They went national in a heartbeat um, as a CBD brand. I mean, for them, it's just plug and play, you know? Uh, but yeah, there's, I think, Kaliva. I think, you know, I would say... Pretty much all the big brands that in so, California, so, I can't even, you know, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Do you, and you think they all have an opportunity because they're big in California, therefore they could be big anywhere else? Because I just don't see a brand coming from, you know, Massachusetts and like breaking open, you know, the that's, without being big in California as well. That's where the Appalachian laws kind of, you know, come in where it's protected. You can't call things humble if it's not in humble um, so people in Texas can't say I'm growing that, you know, cow, that humble, whatever. Um, yeah. It is protected. People are going to want that, Cali. Uh, we do grow a lot of it. Uh, Oregon has a ton of product. Everyone has a ton of product on the West Coast. Uh, and they were sending it to the East Coast for years before. Yeah, of course. But yeah, so I was told, yeah. It's just yeah. now packaged. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, with, with our brand, with, you know, the asterisk brand and what the other brands were doing, our biggest competitors now aren't even the in-market California cool guy brands. It's the black market still. That's still our biggest competitor. You know, it's crazy. 
you know so you know uh anyway but i get it you know so so then another whole other animal <laughs> yeah it's it's wild i mean and then you know you see a lot of brands that are like licensed brands that are kind of still mess around with the black market a little bit and it's shocking to me because what would you put that all at risk but uh you know they've been doing it for so long some of them it's just what that's what they know more of that than the than the licensed kind of you know businesses mm-hmm. you know so um okay so then so then do you see like we talked about um you know, uh, social kind of, you know, impact, you know, uh, Dina brought it up a minute ago. Do you see the cannabis industry having a role in creating like positive social impact, whether it's like wages or financial contribution, sustainability, you know, like criminal justice, like any, have you thought about that at all? Um, not really, but, but I can see all that, you know, uh, there's definitely financial contribution, stuff like that. I can, I can see that, you know, um, I, mean, I feel like, you know, cannabis fans fish is for everybody, man. You know, I know everybody don't smoke, but sooner or later, I think people are going to start realizing, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's not, it's not like harmful like that. You know, you just get yeah. out killing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I say, I say everyone smokes weed. Like I really, I say that like, you know, cause I, I think that they maybe don't even realize that they smoke it yet, but, but yeah. they, they smoke it, you know? So then, so then Dina, what about you? Like, you know, you, you've been in the industry for a lot longer. So obviously your, you know, your approach is like a whole different, you know, um, point of view as Juicy's is. That's why I wanted to have you guys together on here. So like, talk about social impact. Like, you know, what, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've been thinking about it for a long time now. What's, what's been going through your head or what have you seen that has been good or, or what should people be doing? You know, what should, what should we be doing? Even Juicy and I, as, as we're figuring this out. Uh, well, I think there, there's a, a big issue with what's going on is, oh man, where do I start? Social equity, uh, the licenses that have been given out to people, uh, people have had to apply for a building, I mean, get a building, lease a place, lock everything down, and they're still in limbo and they're paying rent on buildings for over a year now and not able to move in. And so I don't think setting up a program where we're trying to help a certain community to uh, fix the harms that we created upon them from the war on drugs and then put them into further debt. Yeah. Can, so, can you explain social equity just like for like, for like kind of social equity 101? Because Juicy might not even really know what it means. I know what it means, obviously, but I bet you no one listening even understands what that so, is, really. You know, I, I'm not a total expert on the new laws everywhere because they change from state to state. But as far as social equity goes, if you live in a certain area and you've been usually harmed by the war on drugs, like you've been arrested for cannabis, i.e., right? You can apply to get a license under the social equity. And you are more likely to get a license than someone who hasn't gotten. There's a certain amount of social equity licenses separate from the main process. Yeah, and there's they're they're reserved for for p- p- persons of color basically mostly, right? Or no? It, no, they they have not to necessarily carefully, but they do it in certain neighborhoods where it's predominantly black or brown communities that have been subjected to the war on drugs mm. for years. So I mean, juicy, you gotta get us some old, some eight year old fucking friends. And those those licenses <laughs> are a little different because they have to. Yeah. The social equity applicant usually brings in an investor, and but the social equity per uh, they have to 
that license holder must hold, you know, more than 51% for at least, I believe, three years um, to give them that opportunity, that leverage. Yeah, a lot of people are doing it. Big boys. Yeah, a lot of people are doing it, though. They're kind of like scamming it, Juice. They're kind of like going in and like, they're like, you know, it's corporations that are like using this front person to like win the license and then like, you know, not really from what I've been heard, obviously a million different options that have happened out there, but, you know, versus like showing them really how to do this and build a business and turn it into like being able to support their families and pass it down to their kids. They're just like used as like, you know, the face of the company for the 36 months and type of thing, you know? So it's a bit, it's a big kind of controversial issue. And then they, then they take it from them, right? Pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they agree that this is okay, but it, it's like a bad record deal kind of thing, right? Same, it's no difference. You know, so these, so it's like trying, they're built to like help the communities and the fucking scumbag, you know, business people just look at it like an easy target almost, it seems like. Right, Dina? I don't want to be like, you know, um, is that? Necessarily that, but okay. they're just, the deals weren't written in, in, either one it's very difficult when you have a two groups of people that operate completely differently one's from the trap world and one is from the corporate world and they usually have a very hard time understanding each other and so when they put these contracts together they're just not good for either one of them and it somehow falls apart um and they have to keep bringing in more money and they keep having to give up equity over time until they don't have, you know, if someone's bringing a piece of paper and you don't have any money, they need to bring in an investor and an investor is going to want, you know, a significant portion of the company. So they might say you can hold 50%, 51% for three years and then it drops to, you know, 40% for three years and then who knows and then yeah yeah wow. i've heard I, i've heard some horror stories of, and then i've heard some great stories you People know so i think it's for the money they get desperate for the cash so that's what, yeah. yeah yeah it's a, a social equity will be a hot topic you'll see it juicy you'll see it, even tons of people hit will start hitting us up about being involved and doing stuff like that and opportunities and um i think some people are doing it right again i, I don't you know it's it's weird anytime like charity and business, charity, whatever, and business are tied together. I'm, I'm skeptical of it. It just, it, it doesn't make me feel comfortable, you know? So um, I feel like people are getting exploited in, in a weird way. You know, our friend, a friend of mine, old friend, uh, Blake did the Tom's Shoes brand. And he showed me, I was like one of the first people to see Tom's Shoes before it existed. And he told me the whole story. And after it came out that he was like, charity, this thing, so many brands did the the, the charity to tied to their sales campaign thing, you know? So I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, so then Dina, so then what do you see your role being in the cannabis industry? Like what's the future here? Like, where do you want to be among all this? You know, that is a very, very deep question, Rama. Hmm. Where do I want to be? Um, I still want to be, you know, I, I would like to say I would still be a, an owner of a cannabis business in some capacity, you know, can, and still be successful and be able to fight the man. Because I, I know at least in my space that my patients are going to be treated well. And I do believe that all use is medical use, whether we call it, what you know, whatever we want. But it, 
makes me feel good. And I'm going to say it's in my medicine. And uh, with that said, we try to treat everybody like a patient and not everybody does. So you're not even sure really, you're just still going for it. You're, uh, just, you're no. just going for the okay. ride now. I, I, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know Rama. Like I, yeah. I you know, I, I want to educate people. I, I want to write, you know, I, I think there's people kind of have lost the, the values, the core values of what this industry used to stand for. And I miss that. And I just would like to share that with the pe the, new, the new people coming in. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. And then what about like, um, the, the, like Alice Weho, does that stay there forever? Or does that just become a, a BevMo one day or whatever? Oh no, that, that store is probably, well, more, but we want to move it one day, but yeah. You know, that's our little, our flagship home. Yeah. We love yeah. the place. We have yeah. other dispensaries too in Oregon and in Cathedral City. We cultivate, we distribute. I mean, we have several licenses that keep us really busy. I'm uh, uh, I'm in Palm Springs, actually. Just side note, what's the Cathedral City spot? I'll start using you guys for delivery now. Uh, the OG Collective. OG Collective. Okay, cool. I'll make a note here. Amazing. So, so then, so, so Juicy, what's some advice or guidance you'd give to maybe some entrepreneurs that are looking to get into the cannabis industry right now? Um, don't be afraid to take risk, you know? And uh, I mean, that's why I look at everything, man. Life is a risk. You know, don't and don't put don't don't put your money in uh, one basket. You know, spread it out. That's the main thing too. Some people just throw all their money in one thing, but spread it out. Make put it in this, put it in that, put it you know, put it in weed, put it in brownies, put it in you know, there's other weed things you can put it in. Yeah. What about are you doing? Are either of you in any of the, the publicly traded stocks for the cannabis companies? I sold all mine like two weeks ago when the Tilray thing happened on Reddit. But are you guys have any of the cannabis stocks at all? No, I, I, I haven't uh, dipped into the cannabis stocks yet, but uh, I am. I'm, I'm going to get crazy with it, man. I, <laughs> I've been, I'm going to get really, really, really crazy with it. I'm going to put a lot of money in everything. Yeah, crypto, everything, man. Yeah, I like yeah. the crypto right now. I'm, yeah. I'm into the crypto now, unfortunately. Well, no, it's good, but we'll see. It's, yeah. it's a lot of work. What about you, Dina? You, you do any of the, the stocks or anything like that for cannabis <laughs> stuff? You know, I do, but not in a serious manner, just for fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just want, like to watch it go up and down. But there's a couple doing well, a couple doing horrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious, you know, because it's like people, especially like this audience, Gary's audience, 137's audience is, is in a bunch of states and countries that le cannabis is not legal. So the only way they could maybe even be involved is some of the stocks. I get asked all the time and... I don't want to recommend it, but I was just curious if you guys were in on it. Um, so then, so Dinas, what about you? What, what's some advice that you would give to some people that want to get into the cannabis industry at the moment, Dina? Uh, I would say do your research in the state that you want to operate, learn the laws, reach out to some people. Um, I actually find uh, that Clubhouse is fascinating. People can jump in listen to some great conversations, ask questions and feel it out, you know, go check it out, work for another company sometimes for a little bit, see if this is for you. Uh, Cause it's not cut out for everybody. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I like the clubhouse stuff. I like the stuff that you're doing on there. You guys have both supported the stuff that we're doing on there. So appreciate that. So then I have really basically like one final question really, which is, which is, 
you know, both of you have such different perspectives and backgrounds, yet you're both in and focused on cannabis right now. Can you give us maybe some predictions that you that maybe would happen, like cultivation, retail brands? You know, Juicy, you mentioned brands earlier, of course. You know, national, international, anything like that? Any kind of predictions? You know, ladies first, maybe? Yeah, definitely, definitely ladies first. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, as far as predictions, I think that there will be something passed soon to control cannabis uh, because there are too many states have legalized it and people can just drive over an imaginary line and it, they have to do it at some point. They want their money and it's just another way to tax us and it's coming. And when that happens, all these brands, it'll be a lot easier for us to bring our genetics from state to state, because right now we're not really supposed to. Um, and then when you do that, you you're more likely to uh, be able to hit those places closer. You want fresh flour. You don't want stuff that's been sitting. Of course, you know, because you're not going to be able to produce enough, essentially. So everyone's going to produce their own in their little microclimates. It's going to be beautiful. There'll be tourism everywhere. That's what I, I I think there'll be major cannabis. Yeah, I agree, especially California and places where you can grow it outdoors and stuff and build a build a scene around it for sure. What about yeah. you, Juicy? Any any predictions? Any anything out there? I was just about to, you know what she said uh, to tax, and I feel like they're gonna tax, and it's gonna be crazy. And but um, it'll be everywhere. People will get jobs. I think the economy will in each state will will rise if your economy is down low i think it'll go up um yeah they'd be crazy not to legalize it especially what dina was saying like you can just drive over the border of new york into new jersey buy the weed and drive right back like new york's they're all greedy they all want the money yeah. you know so yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah understood 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 amazing amazing well thank you guys so much for the time today